Welcome to Food Freedom Radio. I'm Laura Hedlund, a student of permaculture and a person who believes the world would feel so much more enlivening and be a lot more fun if the economy worked for all. Worked for all, including bees, butterflies, the microbes, an economy which works for everybody. Is this American capitalism? It can be. It can be. It can be when we cooperate. And on today's show, we're going to be talking with two people working to power up the cooperative movement. Uh, Deb Troca, with, she's the executive director of the Indiana Cooperative Development Center, and Faye Mack, the executive director of the Food Co-op Initiative. Welcome to Food Freedom Radio. Thanks for having us. Thanks, Laura. Thanks. Uh, Deb, let's just start a little bit. Uh, tell us a little bit about your background and, um, and this event coming up. Sure. So I've been with the Indiana Cooperative Development Center for 16 years now. Um, feels like yesterday and forever at the same time. Uh, prior to that, I worked in small business development, so very similar kinds of um, work. And the conference um, was created back in 2010. It was a partnership between um, ICDC, my organization, and an existing food co-op in Bloomington called Blooming Foods. And we were reacting to a lot of requests for um, assistance with startups in Indiana. And so we joined forces and 56 people showed up that first year and now we're 14 years later and have grown to be a national conference. So it's been exciting over that time. Yeah, that's great. And Faye, Mac, what about yourself? Yeah, so, um, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, I am the executive director of Food Co-op Initiative, FCI, which is an organization that was first founded um, about 15 uh, years ago. And uh, we're a national, nationally based organization that supports communities trying to start their own food co-ops. And so we started partnering with Deb and her team a number of years ago um, to support the conference and have evolved into a co-host for it. And we're really excited to be hosting it uh, next week in St. Paul. Great. So, okay, so this is happening this week. So uh, tell us about um, the event. Um, it's called the Up and Coming Co-op. So um, who is this? Who should attend this event? Uh, yeah, I'll, it looks like maybe we've lost Deb momentarily. Um, but um, so the Up and Coming Conference is a national conference. So folks come in from across the country. Um, and it's for people who are trying to start a food co-op in their own community, um, cart, startup food co-op cooperators. Um, and so um, the conference is really for regular folks who are working on community organizing in their communities and launching a retail food co-op, so a grocery store. Um, and we have folks who come from across the country and in all stages of development. So people who are just at the very beginning, who are having community meetings and um, exploring the idea of starting a food co-op in their town, and people who've been at it for years um, and are just about to open the doors to their brick and mortar store. And Deb, do we still have you online? I'm online. <clears throat> I'm going to try logging in well, that's okay because we can hear you, and this is primarily radio, okay. so we can hear you just fine. So this has been going on since 2010. Um, tell us again about um, you know what is happening, when it's happening. It's in St. Paul, and, um, and so tell us about the up and coming co-op event that's going to be held here this coming week. 
Well, it's um, a three-day event um, beginning on next Thursday, so a week from today, and that uh, we'll open the conference with a track specifically for black cooperators, and uh, we're partnering with the National Black Food and Justice Alliance to uh, host that day. They're creating all of the programming, and we're just providing some of the <clears throat> uh, logistics on the backside. And then Friday and Saturday um, are the official conference dates, and we have six tracks over two days and lots of opportunities for learning, whether that's from experts in the field, um, also peers, and networking opportunities, um, and a little bit of fun thrown in there as well. Got to have a lot of fun We're in really there. looking forward to seeing everyone. So one of the images from the conference really caught my attention, and it has the wiver of cooperation. So what is that? And maybe I'll ask Faye about this. Uh, when you think of that image of river of cooperation, uh, what does that mean to you? Yeah, sure. So the river of cooperation is our theme this year. Um, and what the river of cooperation really means is that, um, you know, cooperation is all about multiple people, multiple cultures, multiple backgrounds coming together to build something together that serves the community. And that means that everyone brings their own unique histories um, that they carry forward with them, what their ancestors built um, and their own unique perspectives and talents. And that together, um, all of all of these folks are sort of tributaries feeding into one river um, where we're building a cooperative movement um, and and really recognizing that cooperative history is human history and that people have been cooperating um, in the way that we think about when we think about sort of co-ops in the United States, but also um, in other, other models and less formal um, institutional structures too, that it's a really important part of human history and we all carry that forward together. And Deb, do you want to comment on that image of river of cooperation? Oh, well, I, <laughs> I think they pretty much covered it. Um, a lot of times we forget that from our very beginnings, we as human beings had to cooperate with each other in order to survive. And that hasn't changed even into today. And so we're just trying to highlight and remind people of <clears throat> this whole idea that we are working together, bringing our shared um histories, our own gifts and talents um, into creating this uh, cooperative economy, this cooperative space, specifically in the, in the food co-op um, sector. I'm currently, I, I, this is so spot on that uh, cooperative history is human history, but do you think that that is an idea that's commonly understood in our culture? Um, Faye, do you, I mean, don't we kind of have this idea of history that it's like, oh, it's it's like the fit strong and you want to be the strongest, but it's actually cooperation that, that helped uh, humans. Um, we are cooperative by our nature. Yeah, I think that's really true. Um, and, and at the same time, I think that um, in, you know, United States and the way that we're taught history and, and what we learn about um we often aren't taught that part of history, but there's a really rich history of cooperation 
um, in many cultures and countries around the world, um, you know, uh, Japan has a really rich history of cooperation, um, the uh, Nordic Scandinavian countries um, in South America, there's, there's strong history everywhere. And in the United States, there's a very strong history of cooperation um, in the black community, um, right back, you know, going back generations and it carries forward, but it often, um, I would agree it's often not highlighted, um, and seen. And so we're glad to be calling some attention to that and the work that we're doing. And in the ways that, you know, food co-ops are one kind of co-op, but it's often in a community, the most visible co-op. Um, you know, a lot of folks have experienced, especially in the Twin Cities, you don't go and grocery shopping in a food co-op. And it's a really nice way for people to first learn, you know, about that as a business model. Right. And there's like the book Collective Courage. And, mm-hmm. and but let's talk a little bit about mm-hmm. the role of black cooperatives. Um, Deb, do you want to talk a little bit about that? Because it's such a big part of this conference. Well, you mentioned Collective Courage, uh, the book written by Dr. Gordon Jessica Nebhardt. Um, there was not a lot of, there's a lot of history in the black community around cooperatives, but it wasn't all in one place. So she, over a number of years, did a lot of research to collect that information. And a lot of it, I'm, I'm sure there's some of it written, but a lot of it's oral history. Um, but oftentimes, because of slavery, Jim Crow in the South, black people had to find a way to work together in order to survive. So they were practicing cooperation all along. And a lot of times that gets lost in today. Sometimes cooperation gets a bad rap um, because it, it's almost like, well, you know, we're in this for ourselves. Um, it's about me as opposed to we can accomplish so much more by working together. But what Jessica found in her research was that black cooperatives were prevalent across industry sectors, whether it was in food co-ops or in farming or in credit unions, in energy, just across the board. And all too often that history got lost. And so people forget that working together, you can accomplish so much more than you can if you're just trying to do something on your own. You know, that old adage of um, one plus one equals three. Uh, the And there are a number of, we're seeing a lot of interest in the black community um, around building cooperatives, particularly in our urban spaces, although it's not limited to urban spaces. But um, because, again, even today, there's still, there's still so much, racism and the inability for people of color, black and brown people, um, to get ahead. And so, again, this idea of working together now, this is, this is to so, accomplish so a shared goal is just 
Yeah, we're, we're going to need to take a break, and we're going to come back. We're, we're talking about okay. the up-and-coming um, dot co-op conference happening, happening in uh, Minneapolis on the week of September 14th to 16th. Yes, we all do better when we all do better. And the economy needs to the, the economy hasn't really been structured to work for all. That hasn't been part of our theories. How do we make it part of our theories? By making it real today and real people's lives and moving forward this vision of a, a better world together for all. Uh, you're listening to Food Freedom Radio, and joining us, is Faye Mack and Deb uh, Troca, um, and we're talking about the um, Up and Coming Co-op um, meeting in the Minneapolis area coming up next week. Welcome back to Food Freedom Radio. I'm Laura Hedlund, and we're talking about up and coming, up and coming, up and coming, a, a cooperative conference that's happening in, in the Minneapolis area on September 14th through the 16th. And joining us to talk about this event is uh, Deb uh, Troca. She's the executive director of Indiana Cooperative Development Network or Center. Um, and Faye Mack, the executive director of the Food Cooperative Initiative. And this event has been going on for since 2010. Um, it's now going to be in the Twin Cities, and it has um, several tracks. It talks about foundation, business development, co-op organizing, peer stories, engagement and play, yay, <laughs> and big conversations. So, again, um, uh, Deb, give us an overview of the purpose of this conference and what, what uh, the vision is. So the purpose is to bring together um, people who are organizing in their communities to start a food co-op. So it can be the organizers themselves or board members. Um, it can, it could possibly be um, other supporters in the organization. But it really is geared towards helping those folks who are starting food co-ops come together to learn about what's happening currently um, in the food co-op space to gain inspiration from their fellow attendees and um, to have a little bit of fun while they're doing all this. And starting a food co-op is no easy task, and it sometimes takes a very long time to come to fruition. So having an event like this once a year really helps to bring people together and to kind of uh, boost their spirits, really give them inspiration and encouragement um, to continue going. And that was the original intent when the conference was created. And Faye Mack with the uh, Food Cooperative Initiative, um, your work was in anti-hunger, and then you kind of moved to cooperatives. Is there a connection between that, between food shed, anti-hunger, justice, and cooperatives? Um, yeah, definitely. So, yeah, so I joined Food Co-op Initiative a um, little less than a year ago. And before that, I had been... Um, leading advocacy work for anti-hunger initiatives. So um, led a campaign um, to bring um, school meals to all kids in Vermont and um, to expand access to SNAP programs and, and that kind of thing. And um, I was really drawn to the food co-op movement um, because I think it's another really powerful way to bring food sovereignty to communities. Um, and what I find really exciting about a lot of the folks who are organizing food co-ops right now is that they're doing so to address a gap in the community, um, either because of historic redlining and food apartheid or 
Um, in rural areas, we see, you know, small independent grocery stores closing down um, and food, you know, dollar stores being sort of the only local option. Um, and communities are rising up to say that they want quality food. They want to buy it from people who are paid well and they want to own their grocery store. Own, You know, it's a, a form of it's very powerful to own access to one of your basic needs. Um, and so I, um, you know, feel like from going from anti-hunger work into supporting food co-ops, it's all really part of supporting food justice and food sovereignty. Love that. Absolutely love that. So um, the um, or the conference is organized based on tracks, and uh, uh, tracks include found, uh, foundations, business development, co-op organizing, peer stories, engagement play, big conversations on these foundations. So let's talk about the track, the the events happening under that. Um, there's um, essential knowledge for all startups for food cooperatives, and, and included in foundations is anti-racism storytelling. Outreach and rooted the and rooting the co-op in community. So the foundations of the co-op movement is is it's not just um, I don't I don't know it's not just an economic movement. I'm I'm not sure I'm agreeing with the way I've said this, but it's it's a holistic approach to how we feed ourselves. Would you agree with that, Faye? Yeah, yeah. How about you, Deb? Talk talk more about the foundations. The what's behind the co-op movement. <laughs> Well, like you said, it um, it definitely has an economic component, but there very much is a social component there as well. Um, people taking control of where they get their food from, ensuring that people in their communities have access. And there, there's another piece of that, feeding your community, but it's supporting the local producers. So instead of buying food that, you know, travels 1,500 miles, that co-op, however they determine that definition of local, but really there, there is that additional um, lens of supporting local producers, thereby supporting the local economy. Right. And, and so the story, so we, we are, uh, our culture kind of, the, the economic structures that we have right now grew from a story. And the story of capitalism has sort of been, when it comes to agriculture, get big or get out, which is a, a phrase that was used by Reagan's um, Secretary of Agriculture. It was all, you know, get big, get out. This is the systems we want. This is what the economy is about. And so the cooperative movement is economics from the heart, if you will, that food and people are interrelated and it's a place of joy and a place of to come together. And it's also – it's hard to do this. I mean it's not um, – sometimes I feel like when I talk, it may, I may make it seem too easy. But, but to actually recognize that story of interbeing – if that's the way I want to describe it, or that story of our connectedness and that story of our resilience and the story of food that is um, um, that our nutrition is is connected and and how we create these local food co-ops where we own the food system. And when we own the food system, we can support local farmers. We're better able to serve. We're better able to serve when we have ownership. Um, what do you think of that, Deb? Is that is that a true statement? Oh, absolutely. And I would, I would even say that, um, if we take a little bit of a look backwards to what happened during the pandemic, 
if you look at what you were able to get in the big box grocery stores, a lot of empty shelves, you know, product just wasn't available. But if you look at the local food co-ops who have all, have all of these connections with their local producers, with local suppliers, food was available. And they found a way also to get food to their members and to customers in their communities. So they're mu- they were much more resilient, much more, much more able to provide for people when the system was disrupted. So I think that's, that is a, that is something really to, to, um, you know, to, to tout and to, to just talk about how how the part of it is because they're local, um, being able to address those needs that the bigger the bigger stores were not able to address. And especially with the climate crisis we're facing, the idea of food resilience and relocalizing our food shed is really um, important. And Faye, are, are co-ops able to more able to? Better adapt to community needs and local, um, and, and, the, and better be able to grow food uh, from healthy soil than some of the um, industrial approaches to agriculture. Well, I think so. Um, I mean, absolutely. In that, food co-ops often sell higher percentages of local food, and so, and they're also just, you know, they're they're beholden and responsible to their owners and to their community, and so. Um, stores are and co-ops are more likely to be ad- to adapt and to be nimble and to respond to what's happening in the community. I know um, where I live in Vermont, we had um, catastrophic flooding this summer, and many of the co-ops, you know, quickly um, were able to help raise funds for the farms that were flooded. They were, they, you know, very quickly started selling water at wholesale for the communities that didn't have access to drinking water after the flooding. Um, co-ops are primed to jump in and respond, um, and to serve community need. Absolutely. Um, and I think that that nimbleness, um, that comes from having a store, that's owned by the community and also independent, right? And not um, part of a large conglomerate. Um, they're able to be more autonomous and make decisions more quickly to um, respond and and all of that. And Deb, do you have examples? That's a beautiful example, Faye. I, I love that. Um, but Deb, do you have other examples of how um, the resilience of, uh, of the co-ops when it comes to um, having a food system? Um. Well, unfortunately, we don't have um, a lot of food co-ops in Indiana, but I will give you some examples. Uh, several years ago, if you remember, there was a lot of flooding up and down the Mississippi. <clears throat> and food co-ops, all who were not involved in that flooding, helped support those food co-ops that were impacted by the flooding. So there's this this real community within the food co-op space when something happens to another food co-op, to a food co-op, the other food co-ops pitch in to help. And as Faye mentioned, if there is um, some type of disaster or interruption of the food system in a local community, then that local food co-op is there to help out. And part of that goes back to 
don't know if you were going to touch on this or not, but the cooperative principles, P6 and P7. So P6 is about co-ops helping co-ops. And P7 is about co-ops helping their communities. So those, the examples that we've talked about are, are show, are exhibited, are showing how that the food co-ops, um, actually, um, enact those, those principles in their, um, daily existence. So we're going to take another break, and we're going to come back. We'll talk more about the different tracks. And I also want to give you guys a chance to uh, share with the audience a little bit about the organization's uh, backgrounds. Uh, we're talking with uh, Deb Troca. She's the Executive Director of Indiana Cooperative Development Center, and Faye Mack, the Executive Director of the Food Cooperative Initiative. We're talking about upandcoming.coop, an event ha- happening um, this coming week, September 14th through the 16th, in uh, the Minneapolis area or St. Paul area, something like that, Minneapolis or St. Paul. I kind of get the two cities confused every now and then. But anyhow, you're listening to Food Freedom Radio. I'm Laura Hedlund. Uh, we'll be right back. Welcome back to uh, Food Freedom Radio. I'm Laura Hedlund, and we're talking about the up-and-coming, um, uh, up-and-coming, I love that phrase, up-and-coming.coop event um, happening in St. Paul, St. Paul, not Minneapolis, St. Paul, on September 14th and 16th. Um, and with us to talk about this event is Deb Troca. She's the Executive Director of the Indiana Cooperative Development Center, and Faye Mack, the Executive Director of the Food Cooperative Initiative. So, Deb, I want to just give you a, a chance to talk a little bit about the Indiana Cooperative Development Center, what it, what it's about and what you what you do there? Sure, thank you. Um, so um, Indiana Cooperative Development Center is a nonprofit organization in Indiana and I'm located in Indianapolis. We were organized in uh, 2006 and our mission is to provide education and training about cooperatives, one-on-one technical assistance, and we also do some advocacy work um, in our at the local and state level, and sometimes at the federal level. And we work with all types of co-ops, not just food co-ops. We also do quite a bit of work in um, the ag space, um, starting smaller ag co-ops. And there is uh, a real need in Indiana, as in other states, for affordable housing and affordable child care. So we've put some effort into doing some educational events, um, around housing cooperatives and child care co-ops and hope to be able to carry that forward into next year. Um, so food co-ops is a part of what we do, but um, the, the sectors that we serve are um, much broader than that. We basically don't turn anyone away that comes to us and says, hey, we're, we're interested in a co-op. How do we start one? So... Um Talk a little bit about co-op. We have we almost have a dominant where I think we do have a dominant story in America that business is about competition. Is that is that is that all that business is? Is it all about competition? Um, how can can cooperation compete with competition? Deb, maybe. 
Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't know if you were talking to me or Faye or just throwing it out there. I was, yeah, I threw it out there to Deb, but. Um, no, I, I absolutely think that cooperation um, has definitely, I don't want to say compete in this, in, in our current um, economic system. Co-ops at their very heart are about the people, people who have identified a shared need and come together to find a way to resolve that need. And the power in people coming together is tremendous. Sometimes I think we forget just how powerful people coming together can be. And I, while we are um, not a cooperative economy by any stretch of the imagination, that part of our economy in the U.S. is growing rapidly. And it, it tends to, history will tell us that co-ops tend to grow more in times that are hard mm. when people are finding it difficult to make a living or to, you know, to feed their families. That's a lot of times that's when co-ops spark and start because people find that we can't do this on our own, but if we come together, we can find a way to make this happen. So I think that the capitalistic society is all the better for co-ops being a part of it. Um, I would certainly love to see that economy grow. Um, That's part of why we're here. Um, So I I definitely think that co-ops, cooperation and a cooperative economy is, in a lot of ways, or maybe always, so much better than the capitalistic society where it's somebody has to win and somebody has to lose. That's not the way it works in, in cooperatives. Right, and that's not the very fun. That that's we not find any- a way for everyone. I'm, I'm taking a yeah. class right now with David Sloan Wilson, um, and he's um, a leading evolutionary biologist, and he's kind of famous. There's this quote online, but so I'll read it right now. Selfishness beats altruism within groups. Altruistic groups beat selfish groups. Everything else is commentary. So otherwise, cooperation really does work. Um, and and, and it's, it's complex. If anyone wants to follow up, there's something called the Human Energy Project and something called Pro-Social World. Um, but I also want to now I'm going to turn to Faye Mack, who's the executive director of the Food Co-op Initiative, and give you a chance to just talk a little bit about what the Food Cooperative Initiative is. Um, and also, if you want to hop in these conversations about why cooperatives are important in American capitalism systems. Yeah. Um, well, I might start with that and then I'll lead into what FCI does because I'm um, really enjoying this conversation. And, you know, when I think about the difference between a cooperative business and a, um, you know, capital, more capitalist business is really thinking about who benefits from the business and who benefits from from its existence and its products. And so with a food co-op, for example, you know, um, I think there's a misconception often that a co-op can't make a profit, but they can. Um, So it's a, you know, it's a business that fits, that kind of fits within um, our capitalist world, but 
who benefits are the people in the community and the money stays within the community and it regenerates within the community rather than the money leaving the community and going to stake, you know, going to shareholders or um, other, other big institutions and entities. And, um, <clears throat> and that's where it can be so powerful and can have a ripple effect in the community too. You know, we talked a little bit earlier about the impact that a food co-op can have on the local food system but it also, um, you know, food co-ops strive to be strong employers, um, to pay living wages and have good benefits. Um, they often um, can serve as sort of an anchor in a downtown um, and support other businesses around them. Um, uh, many co-ops have roundup programs at the register where it makes it really easy for community members to all chip in a little um, toward other local organizations um, to have a big impact. And that's where just there's sort of this rippling regenerative power of a food co-op or of a cooperative business. And so um, the food co-op initiative, what our organization does um, is that we provide support to any community across the country who's interested in starting a food co-op. So um, we partner with organizations like Debs who are regionally focused and might work with different sectors um, and we sort of are honed in um, on the food co-op model. And so um, FCI was started in 2005 um, and has grown from there. And we support folks um, for free who are trying to start a food co-op. And that starts at those kitchen table conversations when, you know, we get a call from somebody who says, I was on vacation in the Twin Cities and I've walked into all these amazing grocery stores and now I'm back home and I want one. What do I do? <laughs> um, and so we help them get started and we help, you know, we were talking earlier about the foundations. And so we help folks access resources about the different areas that are important in organizing a food co-op, which is the business model and the financial feasibility, but it's also the community organizing and the vision um, and having good systems in place. Um, it's really complex, complex to, you know, you're starting a business and also a community, a community movement. Um, so you need to do community organizing and you need to do the business modeling. And that's a lot for folks who are usually working on this for free at night, you know, after the kids go to bed because they're really passionate about it in their community. And so we're there as a resource um, and we provide um, educational tools and resources. Um, we provide opportunities to engage with peers and learn from peers um, and from other experts in the industry um, so that no one is doing this in isolation and so that folks can follow best practices. Um, and then we bring people together to learn together through this up and coming conference um, and other opportunities throughout the year. Um, and, and Deb, do you want to uh, do a little shout out to, I mean, I've heard this, that, you know, the Twin Cities is really powerful when it comes to the co-ops. And we were kind of a, a shining light in that area. And then part of this up and coming is actually to visit some of the co-op stores. So um, do you want to talk about that a little bit, Deb? Sure. Um, we were very excited to um, come to the Twin Cities. Uh, I have a colleague who uh, has a co-op development center in the Twin Cities. He covers Minnesota, Wisconsin, and Iowa. And I often joke with him that I'm envious because he has such a robust cooperative economy in his service area. Um, we have five 
there are more, but we have five local food co-ops who are helping us put this conference on. They're providing volunteer work. They're hosting our Thursday night <clears throat> welcome reception. We're doing tours to um, their stores and really trying to give our attendees a peek at, you know, here are five successful food co-ops who are already in operation and see what they can learn from them. So we're, we are very, very fortunate to uh, be in the Twin Cities and to access all of the talents and all of the, the wonderful uh, food co-ops that are working with us for next week. We have about um, seven minutes left. And how are co-ops doing nationally? Um, do you each want to just give an overview on, on, on what you're seeing on the ground in terms of this economic story that we all do better when we all do better and we can cooperate and create a world and economy that works for all? Um, Faye, or, do you want to jump in on that? Sure. Yeah. So um, there are co-ops organizing all over the country. Um, FCI is providing support to in different different levels of support to about 95 groups who are working to open a food co-op um, in any given year. And um, we're um, really excited because in the next 12 to 18 months or so, there's a big group of co-ops that are set to open. Um, so there's a whole slew of food co-ops um, from Massachusetts to Chicago to Southern California, who are um, set to open their doors in the next year. And there are many years in the making um, and represent a lot of different kinds of communities who are, are opening food co-ops. And um, that's one of the really exciting trends that we're seeing and, and really actively working to support is um, uh, there's uh, the kind of historic traditional first wave of food co-ops that opened in the 70s um, who were are predominantly in um, predominantly white communities, um, more affluent communities who were really looking to fill a gap in access to natural foods. Um, and so there's a perception um, that's changing, thankfully, um, around who a co-op is for. And we're seeing more communities, um, we're seeing more Black-led food co-ops uh, working to open, more um, communities in, um, you know, diverse communities in urban and in rural areas who are really working to open their own food co-op, um, and um, areas uh, in really rural communities where a food co-op is a really important option to try and maintain food access when independent or supermarket stores are closing um, and folks are otherwise left to travel, you know, 45 minutes to an hour to the nearest grocery store. And and so uh, this conference will have things like the business development track. We'll be looking at financials and um, how to uh, the nitty gritty of piercing together money to build your co-op and finding a place to co-ops and market feasibility. So that's the business development track. Co-op organizing is another track. Um, and so how to have comp culturally competent board members. Uh, Ladonna Sanders Redmond would be speaking on that. Um, so, so do we want to, uh, and, and, and the other thing, tools and telling a story that moves mountains. So the story and the, tac the tactics and the strategy are connected in this. Um, and so, um, and, but the other part that I find cool is the peer stories. Do you, um, uh, Deb, do you want to share some of the peer stories um, that you're um, seeing nationwide? Sure. Um, 
the peer stories oftentimes are um, some of our most uh, popular sessions because they're other people who are kind of in the same boat. You know, they may be at a different stage of development, but they are either ahead of you so you can learn from what went well, learn from their mistakes, or maybe um, they're behind you and you can provide lessons learned to them. So that peer track is always one of the most popular tracks at the conference because it, it gives an insight into um, expectations, what's to come, what's already happened. So it's really, really popular. It's, it's very, it can be very inspirational to um, the other attendees. And it gives them, it gives people an opportunity to kind of, you know, to tell their story, to, um, if you will, brag a little bit about what's happening in their local communities. And so some of the peer stories of, of the Food Shed Co-op Difference, Indigenous, co- Indigenous Cooperative Food Development, uh, be, uh, Regaining Momentum During and Post-Pandemic, the Hutchison Grocery Cooperative, and Detroit's People Food Co-op, A 10-Year Journey. So do you want to kind of just talk about some of the real-life stories in those, um, those peer stories, uh, Faye? Um, sure. I mean, they all have very different stories, right? Um, so we're really excited to hear from the folks who have been organizing in Detroit. They've been organizing for many, many years and are close to opening um, their store, uh, which um, is, you know, and so they're going to be there to tell their story, share their lessons learned. Um, and they've been been at it for a long time. Um, and then just over the the border in Wisconsin from St. Paul um, is the Hudson Food Co-op, which is in over in Wisconsin. And they're, uh, they're a really different community. They're a rural community um, who had been organizing for a while and started to kind of stall out. Um, and we see that happen sometimes. Um, you know, um, it's a it's a Herculean effort to open a food co-op. And um, sometimes the effort can start to circle a little bit with the same people and and not build. And they were able to um, really bring back momentum and get things reinvigorated and they're flying now. Um, and, and it's really exciting. And so I think their story will be really inspiring for other folks um, to um, hear how they got past a dry spell, <laughs> you know, and got through, got through a rough patch um, and kept going because you'll hit that. Um, yes, yes, you'll point. hit dry spells. So um, I, I didn't realize we're not in the last 50 seconds. So, uh, Deb, do you want to hop in again with uh, <laughs> uh, details on how people can find out about this and anything else you'd like to say? Sure. So um, the website is up and coming, all one word, dot co-op. Um, you are welcome to go on the website, take a look around. We are still accepting um registration. So if you'd like to hop over and visit us, we'd love to have you. Uh, It will be a very exciting uh, three days. Very exciting three days. So thank you so much, uh, Faye and Deb, for joining us. Thank you for listening. And let's have an economy that works for all. Cooperation really does work. Let's redefine American capitalism as the sharing of uh, and, 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 and a collective courage to find ways of meeting our needs in a way that honors our hearts and our ancestors in the future.